Uh, I went through a lot of bad experience to get where I'm at. So I've, I've made almost, you know, I would say about every single mistake that you, you can make. Welcome to the Barebow Project. Uh, my name is Frank McDonough. John Demmer. Grayson Barkle. And we have teamed up to create something for the Barebow community. Um, John, do you want to start with, you know, the vision and the discussion behind Barebow for us? Um, yeah, we, we got together and uh, we thought we saw a void, um, something that's missing. Um, just a nice uh, area that people can go to where we can get uh, great sound information. Um, something where you don't have to sift through a lot of stuff to get you know, right to the meat of the, the issues and try to figure we uh, create a location that people can go to um, where they can trust the people. Um, trust the information. Um, most of it's been, most of the advice that we're going to give has probably been tested throughout the years, um, multiple years, sometimes five, six years, so it's been proven. Um, we all have a pretty good uh, background, you know, from a coaching perspective, um, competitive perspective, and uh, a mix of both. Um, I think we can offer a lot of uh, good advice from you know, different experiences. Grayson? I think it's just like John said, we're trying to create one spot where you can come, ask questions, find information that's credible, it's been proven, that's shown results, and I think the three of us can do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm myself and learning in process for sure as a competitor. Um, I could say that the idea behind the Facebook group, the website and you know maybe as we evolve things is be able to help people with specific problems not not just like a, a blanket fix or a blanket information or like the idea is if somebody is having something specific to Barabo and I guess that's the other important highlight of this is that it's Barabo specific it's solely about competitive Barabo maybe touch a little bit on competitive longbow as things go and so with that, with that being said, um, we put together a social media Facebook group where listeners of the podcast, followers of the Barebow Project, people who are competitors in Barebow, or in Barebow itself, um, post videos and... Yeah, we're, uh, we're talking more about like um, individual specific problems, yes. like you were saying, like where people can just post their problems, um, hopefully some videos so people um, can see other people's issues. Um, so if they have that same issue down the road, they can spot it and they can go back and reference, um, you know, some suggestions for the fix and, and see how that progressed. Because, you know, as individuals, we all shoot just a little bit different. We see things a little bit different. Um, so I think it will be great to, to give out individual, um, you know, suggestions and fixes and different approaches yeah we did a little bit of that already with, with um, that Anderson Santos he had posted some videos and we talked a little bit about like what he was doing you know and it's kind of cool having three three people look at it from different perspectives per se because I don't shoot the same as you guys um, we all have our own idiosyncrasies of what we do and how we do and while you tease me about being mr. NTS I'm far from 100% NTS, <laughs> but there's definitely there definitely needs to be um, a, a a gap. Somebody has to bridge the gap, or how how do how do you relate NTS to Barebow? There's the NTS, and you and I have had this discussion. NTS is a very good platform to build off of. Doesn't mean that that's where you're going to shoot your best scores, being 100% NTS, or vice versa. For some people, it may work better. But there has to be this is this where our goal here is to to bridge that gap for maybe even coaches who want to coach Barabow and they don't know where to start. I didn't know where to start a year ago. Yeah. Well you see a lot of coaches that don't even know where to start with anchor point. Yeah. Um, you yeah. see a lot of barebow archers that start out with the uh, the traditional Olympic style anchor, yeah. Uh, the the under the chin shelf tab ish yeah. anchor. And it not in our area. I mean, Pennsylvania is definitely a little bit of a, a barebow hub of sorts, much to your credit, because, you know, you've been somewhat of a, a voice to grow it. So inherently it's growing from, you know, Pennsylvania out. And I'm sure there's some other places around the country that 
maybe have similar followings. I, I don't know, but we yeah, definitely. I know there is a bunch down in Texas. Yeah. Well, of course, Texas yeah. is big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's shout out to Rick for for being part of that. I'm sure. Yep. Um, Stony does a good job. Yeah. Uh, and he, he does a good job online too. He does put out information. That's that's pretty good. So, you know, we so the other side of the Barbell Project is aiding and growing the sport from a coverage side. Not necessarily us being the voice of a competition, not that that couldn't happen, but I guess highlighting more important things that are happening in the barebow world. You know, things like with the NFAA expanding to barebow, um, with the USAT team expanding to barebow as far as the, as far as traveling and stuff like that. And then how that, I guess how that whole thing's going to evolve, you know, um, are there some other, other avenues or other things that you guys think that would, are good examples of what we want to try to highlight, whether it be a podcast, social media, just general discussion with other bearable people. Highlight like a, a lot of like the tournaments coming up. Um, it'd be awesome. I think to do, uh, do some like individual highlights, um, both, you know, beginner, and it very experienced um just to share the experience of what barebow has to offer for all styles of um levels of or i should say levels of experience all styles of shooters yeah um, there's definitely a, a something to be said for highlighting especially the youth within yeah. barebow because the youth are really let's face it i mean we're a little older than grayson but a even, lot older uh, uh, we're like an older brother. It's not yeah. that. Maybe you're like you know, the like, father and I'm like the older brother. <laughs> yeah, you make me feel like I'm so much older. I mean, me and John are separated by a year. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah I feel lot. like I'm like the dad and he's like the, the dirty uncle. And then you're the, <laughs> you're the, 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 the blossoming nephew. No, but taking youth shooters that are doing really, really well, which, you know, on my side is probably where most of my experience has become is working with kids and almost teaching them as I'm learning myself. So it's been, it's been a very good journey, but taking those kids, cause let's face it, they're the future of our sport. You know, sooner or later we're, we're all going to peak out somewhere. Or I'm just going to stop competing altogether and just go stick with coaching. But you know, they're, but they are it, you know, so when Barbo grows even more, you know, the kid we're talking teenagers and even, you know, 12, 11, 10 year old kids that are doing awesome things taking them and kind of molding them in a direction to be competitive with the rest of the world. You know, I guess, I don't know what out of all of the countries out there who have that same growth, but we want to, we want to be a, a front runner in that. Yeah. I, we have a lot of catching up to do to like even the Italians where they're very good and very deep. They have a lot of 500 plus shooters. Um, and it, that's across all ages from, 16 on up um but we're getting there um is if we keep doing stuff like this uh get more information out there um try to spread the word you know help people out as best we can and make them better shooters they'll they'll in turn pass it along you know down the line and uh i think that's been one of the things that's helped us uh progress mm -hmm. for sure and i i want to i want to see us really concentrate on that you know growing archery in general but you know utilizing barebow as a platform to make shooters better and i've seen it you know here at uh, at gha um i have kids that shoot compound and barebow and as soon as they started shooting barebow their compound scores start started climbing it's definitely there's definitely a carryover even if it's just from a training perspective yeah you know the the discipline and i think part of it and i know and you're big on like the mental side of, of what's what you have to do in Barebow to be successful. Them having that drive to want to be better at, at Barebow has made them better compound shooters. But probably going a little bit, we sidebar discussion there a little bit. Um, well, I guess it's actually not a bad segue as far as we want to we want to highlight you know where our experience comes as a group. Yeah, we have three different distinct backgrounds. Um, Two that are somewhat common. Um, one is definitely unique out of the group, which would be a, a great perspective to have. Um, you're more uh, 
coming off of uh, Olympic recurve a little bit and really heavy into the coaching aspect. So what got you started in archery and what made you um, want to get into coaching? Well, I started archery very, very young. I started archery uh, as a competing around eight years old. Shot the local PSAA circuit, started with a compound. My dad looked up a local youth archery, found out about Joad, decided to pick up an Olympic Re- I Actually, it's Rob Coffold's fault that I got back into Olympic recurve because I had started coaching at the time. I wanted to do private lessons and start a youth archery team here because my son was interested and our son, I should say, my wife and I always say my son and she tells me about it. <laughs> um, and so we just decided to start our own program and learn, learn to, I wanted to do lessons and stuff. And it, I went the typical progression of just learning the USA archery and getting certified because that's what you do. Right. And, um, I wanted to grow the program and wanted to grow whatever I knew how to coach and decided I wanted to go back to Olympic recurve, which is actually how we met. I was shooting Olympic recurve yep. when we met. And you were shooting scores that I was shooting as an Olympic recurve shooter. And I was like, you, you weren't suck. that good. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. That's not true. Um, but I, I was shooting compound, and Rob Coffold's like, you want to get back into Olympic recurve? And I said, yeah, because I want to coach it. Um, and I think I need, to, I need to sharpen those skills. And he's like, all right, here's a bow. Go do your thing. And within a year's time like it, most of it came back but then my knowledge as a coach I was able to implement in my shooting and it it worked out pretty well I mean I didn't do too bad I made the cutoff at the classic for mm-hmm. 2017 18 I guess it was 2018 I made the shoot offs and lost by an X uh, McGlynn Joe McGlynn Joe McGlynn yeah yep. he, he beat me by an X to move on to the top 16 it's and a tough match it was a tough match but you know, it was. All those matches are tough. Yeah. Shoot offs. Yeah, I missed it last year with Barabo, but it's all good. I only missed it by one point. I'll I'll get there someday. <laughs> I'll get there someday. I'll get there someday. Um, but now, I was only shooting Olympic recurve for thirty days at that point. Mm. Since coming back, so did all right. I was happy with it. And then within four months after that, John Wirt said to me, he was like, he saw me shooting. He was like do you ever consider shooting barebow? I said, well, I have some kids that have been talking about it. He goes, I think you should, you should give it a try. So in, I guess, August of last year, I took a Samick recurve that was laying around and just started messing around with it. I had no idea. Anchor under the chin. Like, I literally had no clue what I was doing. I just picked it up and started shooting it. And in... And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this change. And I took my Galaxy Olympic recurve and just started slamming arrows, figuring out. And that's probably around the time that I talked to you a little bit and I talked to John Wirt. Just like, like, give me the basics. What do I need to do? And then, you know, watch what information I could find on YouTube and whatnot. And then by, I shot my first tournament in October of last year as a barebow shooter. Managed to hit the 490s, and then by the time Indoor Nationals came around, I was in the 520s. Mason and I started talking after, and I don't remember even how that happened, but we started messaging, or it was through Facebook. Yeah, after the Classic, and then definitely kind of ramped up yeah. after Indoor Nationals. Yeah. Started talking a little bit more. Yeah, and I, you know, I got some feedback from you on tuning and stuff like that, and just in general conversation, and John had been offering information to me and then before I knew it as a competitor myself I was shooting pretty decent considering it was I was six months into the endeavor and then I had kids that just started blossoming with barebow you've met Logan Mm -hmm. um Logan he's he broke the indoor um he broke the Bowman barebow indoor record after only shooting for three months and then now, and I we have Maggie who is shooting here now. She's got a very promising future. She's only been shooting barebow for, um, I think four. She started in, she only started outside of NASP. She started in like June, um, and from June to August, she went through all of her Joad pins as a new shooter. So in three months, she went from zero experience 
to a gold uh, Olympian. So she I have definitely these, has a bright future. She so does. See what, where she ends up. She does. She and she's got a good head on her shoulder. She's got very supportive parents that support her in the right way. So you know, as my as myself as I've progressed through as a competitor and as a coach, like these kids are also are also on the incline and they're doing the right things or at least it seems as though everything's going in the right direction so you know that's where i come into this mix i mean i, I do work with adults and stuff and a lot of compound as well because i used to, i came from the compound olympic recurve world but you know to to be able to go within a year's time and see some of the some of the success that we've seen you know that's where my end comes in so i'm still learning as a competitor i'm still learning as a coach but yet um, we're seeing success. So why don't we go with you, John? You're the bare bow um, cornerstone, per se. I would say the one that has probably the most experience. Yeah. Um, fortunately, uh, I went through a lot of bad experience to get where I'm at. So I've, I've made almost, you know, I would say, about every single mistake that you you can make as an archer developing in, into your your final form or, or your progression. Um, so I've shot recurve since 1998. I think Grayson was still in third grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I shot a recurve since 98. Um, shot competitive since uh, probably 2001 on like a state level, state and regional level. Um, I mean, I started out shooting instinctive split finger um shot my first uh 600 league was averaging like 430 the next year was like 480 the next year was like 520 um so there's a lot of growth um there's a lot of a lot of things to screw up in the in the meantime and then finally learn you know what's worked for me or what's worked for other people um so there's there's a lot of uh mistakes that I have made that I can see you know others making and, and I could come from that background to to try to help convince them you know don't go down this same road because if you do it's going to be years where you might be able to progress a lot faster um and then just got really fortunate uh fortunate to get really decent in the last five six years uh, and been able to maintain that for the most part um so that's pretty much where I'm at yeah you're you're definitely have been a huge part of the knowledge that I have for sure and both of you but you know you I see you more often well, even at indoor nationals last I think it was internationals or maybe one of the Lancaster Archery Academy individ, uh, invitationals you know you're like hey how you doing what's going on I'm like yeah you know I'm doing all right I'm doing this and I think I was I was at full draw and I was putting the pin in the middle and then like letting it float out and then I'm, and then I would go and put it back and you're like what the hell are you doing that for <laughs> like just make it simple don't do that what were you doing that for uh you know what I, I think I was just it was almost part of the aiming anxiety thing that we we talk about and I was like I knew I wasn't letting go of it when it went to the middle the first time and it would just kind of like knock the edge off a little bit of the aiming part and then I was able to slow my slow my float down and just get it there after that but okay. you know he was he's he was like it's so complicated just just do it you know just do it and it and ultimately that's my better scores came well after that because it wasn't no it definitely wasn't indoor nationals you, um, made, you made a simple thing very complicated yeah well <laughs> you know and as i look back through now and if some even some of the things that we see online or people who are asking for help a lot of people that's it they're making simple things more complicated yeah. you know which is what we want to we want to curb that so. yeah, i think people overanalyze a lot and focus on the wrong things focus on the right things maybe too much a lot of that i see yeah well, you see a lot of people focusing on what others are doing and scores that others are shooting. Um, and then they feel that need and that desire that they have to do at least that or better. And depending on where they're at as an archer and where they're growing, they might, one, they might never get there. And two, maybe they don't deserve to get there yet. They still have some growing pains to go through, but they make 
the experience more frustrating because they expect it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Well, I'm sure that we'll end up doing a podcast on that topic alone. Yeah. Somewhere down the road. So, Grayson, where we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Unfortunately, I kind of wish we were recording then, but your experience and what your focus is, you know, from where your experience is and how you can help people, you know, where, where are you? Well, I guess I started competitively about five years ago. Um, I started with a longbow and a wood arrow. That's just what seemed cool to me at the time. So that's kind of what I picked up and it's not cool. It's really not. Now I know better. <laughs> but I saw some some videos that Jimmy Blackman had on YouTube, and that's kind of what got me started. You know, really focusing on how to shoot and aiming, and I would say that was like the beginning for me in competitive archery. Seeing those, working on my shot, um, and things kind of progressed pretty quickly from there for me. I went to a couple IBO shoots that first year. I met some great people. I met Calvin Smock and, you know, Paul Vogel, Dwayne Martin, John here. And in meeting those people really kind of get you started, start off on the right foot and asking the right questions, you know, watching what they're doing, you know, try to learn from them. Um, I got my first Barebow riser in November of 2015, maybe? 14 or 15, yeah, right four. before they had the first Lancaster Classic Barebow class. And then I went and shot that a couple months later, and that was my, my first big indoor tournament that I ever went to. Um, and from there, you know, I, I just kind of slowly progressed to where I am now, uh, just shooting a lot of indoor stuff. I mean, I do shoot a little bit outdoor, not as much as some, but a little bit. Um, but the people I met in the beginning really got me started off on the right foot, and that's kind of what propelled me to where I'm at now just listening and learning from them. And that's hopefully what we can do here for others. Yeah, you're definitely a prime example of getting good information at a, a very early start. I mean, you watched you shoot your first indoor with a longbow. Um, that was ugly. <laughs> the form looked pretty decent. The scores weren't that great. But then, I mean, you got, you know, I talked to you a little bit. Paul talked to you a lot. And you just got a lot of, very good information really quick and you just like you progressed at a, a very quick rate um you went from what, what were you shooting indoor longbow like 220s on the nfa in the very beginning it was around 200 and then and it kind of quickly moved to 220s 230s 240s a little bit yeah. and then i picked up the barebow and i was automatically in the 270s yeah with that as soon as i got it 270s for for NFA um, blue and white target is probably right around a 520, 530 for um, like the world archery target for mm -hmm. anybody that's listening. Yeah. And then I, I went to Lancaster and I, I can't remember the score I shot, but I qualified relatively high. It was 530s, maybe 540 with the, the 11s. I'm not sure, but it was pretty good for me at the time. I went in with no expectations and it just kind of worked out well. Yeah, you said... You got, you got lucky. You always get lucky. Yeah, a lot of it's luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... People I, tend to get luckier when they're when they're better. <laughs> yeah, right. I think there... Well, there's definitely a common denominator of getting the right information and progressing quickly. You well, know? getting the right information and accepting it and adapting with it right. can be two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, applying it the yeah, way you apply applying it. Applying the information correctly. Yeah. Applying the information you know, and that's, I, I'm not, I'm no elite shooter, but seeing even my short amount of time to see the progression, it wasn't because of who I am as a shooter. I mean, there's a small part of it, but a, the biggest part of it is getting the right information, having an open mind to apply it correctly. And then when you, and then when someone gives you feedback, accept it and then reapply it the way they're telling you, not the way you perceive it. You know, don't throw your your own niche on it and say, well, I don't like that. Yeah. Try it and, and give it like 100% effort. Well, that's a, the, one of the biggest problems I see is when someone asks a question and um, they're looking for advice and, and you give them your advice or what you think that could work. And the first reaction, they tell you, well, no, that won't work for me. And you're like, well, why? 
well, because this didn't work, that that won't. I'm like, well, okay, so you're telling me it's not going to work, or are you telling me you're not going to try to see if it's going to work? Right. Um, yeah, it's hopefully that that's what you have to do. You have to, op- you know, have an open mind and willing to try something. Um, sometimes counterintuitive things actually work out better. Definitely. Definitely tuning is one thing for me where I just kind of throw everything out there and go with what works. I mean, I have a a method that I, you know, kind of stick to, but if it's not working, I'll completely go to the opposite end of the spectrum and try something else. Not, not, not everything is you know, one specific way. With Barebo, you can really go in a lot of different directions and, and get the same result. You need to keep an open mind and definitely try. Head over to Yoast, Y-O-S-T, ArchieProducts.com. Click on Shop, go to their Pro tabs, their Brass Pro tabs, follow their social media, and make sure that you check out their specials that come up. Constantly throwing out new colors and options for the Barebo shooter. Yoast Archery Products, small company owned by two barebow shooters that absolutely love the sport. You could also contact them at YoastArcheryProducts.com, Yoast at YoastArcheryProducts.com, and 717-659-9863. Form was the number one information request when we put, I just put out a poll to see, which surprised me because I thought it would be tuning, but I, I, I don't know, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting form to be... I thought it would be the mental game. That, that's what I would figure. I, yeah. I think that's what holds a lot of people back, especially when it comes to actually shooting on the line, is their mental game. Yeah. I see a lot of people with form that's you know, good or decent don't shoot as well as they could because of the mental game. How do you... How, well, I mean, we can talk about form another time because maybe the mental... Do you agree? Uh, I've seen a lot of people that shoot... Yeah, I I would agree that see seem to have um, pretty decent form. Like, you know, you see their form and you expect to see five thirties, five forties, and then you see their scorecard and they're like four seventies, maybe four eighties. It's just there's a there's a gap there. Um, so some of it's probably mental. Um, some of it could be just poor approach, which you know that could lead into the mental side as well. Yeah, what what's your what do you we talked about it a little bit earlier when I was said about like myself bouncing around. And I I called it aiming maturity because I didn't have a better term for it, but with lack of experience, you know, do you believe it? Do you believe that there is a you reach a point of a volume of arrows where you've shot in in your experience that that starts to get better or is it really just a you have to know you have to have a, a, a better mental approach, and how do you how do you change that? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, you definitely need some experience in high pressure situations. Uh, the more you get of that, the better off you're going to be. But you also need to be solid mentally. Uh, you need to be disciplined in your shot, not focus on any one part of the shot more than you should. Uh, like people get caught up on aiming so much, it's just one part, just one part of the process. Right. Don't overemphasize it and let that be your downfall. I see that a lot online. A lot, yeah. I, I, all over. I mean, with without a clicker, I think it's something that people really get, you know, themselves in trouble with a lot. You know, the aiming and maybe hard go. aiming. Like yeah. they're trying to be too exact. Yeah. And they freak out, and that's where they get a lot of jittery on their shots, you know, double clutches and... Locked off target. Antici- get up to the point. Anticipating, yeah. I'm there right now a little bit. When I'm not practicing often, it gets harder. If I don't shoot three or four days a week, I feel like I do a big a roller coaster. I don't know if that's common or not. I've never shot three or four days in a week. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> You're sickening. Um, yeah, well, I have to. And just where I'm at, maybe it's... For me to for me to be a little comfortable, but I have this. I get stuck at the bottom, often like just outside of the goal. You know, sometimes it's work. And then if I change my focus to not aiming and to me holding my bow arm still afterwards, it gets better. The idea that I'm not focusing on the shot at all. I'm actually focusing on my position after the shot, being 
relaxed and still with my bow arm. That means that my my aim was actually relatively still. Yeah, I, I don't overemphasize the aim. When I start my shot, I go through my process, I draw the bow back. The point's already on the gold, and it just stays there. It goes there, it stays there. I don't really have to move it there. Um, and then as I run my shot, it, it stays, and I get to the point where I aim. I, I maybe fine aim a little bit, but not too hard. I, I've tried to shoot with one eye before, and you can definitely fine aim harder, but that'll make me a little more anxious, a little more jerky. So I just try not to focus on it too much. Just kind of hover it over the gold, and that's good enough for me. And for the people that aren't very good at aiming or just for whatever reason aren't strong enough or um, their muscles aren't stabilized enough and, and they, they float around from, like let's say, you know blue to gold, back to blue, back to gold, if they their approach probably needs to be just a little bit more relaxed and accept that there's going to be a, some kind of float and just run the shot. Like it, if, if you stay relaxed for those that like, cause there's times where I'm floating around quite a bit and there's times where it just, whatever I do, I can't get it to move off of the gold. Um, but I have days that like today, um, not as strong floats kind of big. Um, like probably I aim at the tip of my arrow. So I put the tip of the arrow bottom of the nine. Like today, I was probably floating from six to six. Um, wasn't a great aiming day, um, for whatever reason, just not strong yet. Um, but like a day like today, where I can't aim well, I can't um, definitely can't find fine tune or you know aim very fine today. But so like a day like today, I'm I'm more relaxed on my shot. Um, I accept that my aim is going to be subpar but I'm still going to run the shot super confident. And just, I need to trust that my arrow is gonna be exactly where it needs to be at the time it needs to be. And so like a day like today, that's how I run my shot. Aim, accept the fact that there is gonna be a float, and, and today's float is bigger than what it normally is, and not get discouraged if the arrow breaks at the seven and hits the seven, um, because the shot will still run well I'm still rewarded with a good, clean shot, and over time, that's going to take care of itself. For those that are listening and wondering what we were doing earlier today, um, we're at Grass Hollow Archery, which happens to be the training center and shop that I own, but we hosted an indoor World Archery FIDA, so both, all the three of us shot um, later on together. Grayson came and shot his round after John shot his earlier in the day. And so here's just a quick question. How many times have you, how many 600 rounds have you shot this for indoor season so far? Uh, ones that counted is the second one. And I mean in total. Uh, for practice? Yeah. Uh, ones that I saw through till the end, uh, probably eight or ten oh, yeah. um, for score that I saw through the end. That's I mean, there's, there's times where I'm like halfway through and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to change something up a little bit and see how this groups. Um, yeah. But yeah, finished one's probably 10, half one's probably 20. Wow. Um, but I might, shoot, I might shoot four halves in one day. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. For one, you know, one, yeah. one long session. Yeah. What about you? Four. Four total. Four, I've been to the range four times. Yeah. Four times in, in between hunting and work. Four times. Yeah. Four. Full four 600s or just 300 rounds? 600s. Since yeah. about May. Talk about two different ends of the spectrum. Frank's probably at like 50. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. I think Don't I came Frank. out, I, oh, definitely not. I came out hard right after outdoor ended and I shot like a solid three weeks of like four or five days a week, 300 rounds at best. And then in the last, I'd say month, two weeks prior to Lancaster's first FIDA, and now I, I could say maybe two days a week I might throw 30 arrows 45 arrows not enough in my opinion not enough because I don't have I'm not mentally I'm not where you guys are yet days coming yeah. <laughs> days coming give me some time I'm young yet 
disagree. You're, I think you're. I think you're working. I think you got a very strong platform for the masters class next year. <laughs> oh. Wait, is Lancaster going to expand to a masters barebow? I don't think that's happening anytime soon. This, you better hope they do. <laughs> if we especially oh. want to make the cut one day. Ow! Oh, the dagger. The dagger hurts. It's still early this year. We haven't really gotten into the even the beginning of the season, you know, so I'm sure we'll all ramp up our practice a little bit. I started a little early this year. I'm planning to go to Rome, so I needed to get some kind of practice in because I normally don't even start shooting until after that tournament's over. So Yeah, wow. you need to up, up your score a little bit for that uh, silver medal, the silver wolf. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe I, since I think, you've hung it up. <laughs> I think you're in a good position to get something. That's, that is a pretty cool trophy. Yeah. So you're going to Rome. You're going to Rome. Uh, do you know anybody else from uh, the Shooting Bear Bow in America that's going? I just talked to Eric Yost today. I think he's going to go. Awesome. So it'll be good. People to you know of or People I know, know of and haven't met. People I met last year at the Classic that I'll get to see again. So I'm sure it's going to be a good time. So we're going to reach, uh, we're going to try to reach a little bit more international though. So how about some of your international competitors that you do know that will be in Rome? Like Fisher going? Yeah, Fisher's yes. going. How about the um, Eric and Lena are going? Eric and Lena. Yep. Um, David Garcia is going to be there. Yep. I would. Uh, did he sign up? I would assume he's yeah, definitely he's, going. He's already signed yep. up. Uh, okay. How about from is Claire going? Uh, I don't know if any of our women are going or not. Just Fawn is or not? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, last year we had uh, Fawn and Brenda. On the women's side, that went for for Barbo. I think oh. right now it's just the two of us signed up. Um, Eric said he's going. I heard that Calvin and Dwayne were going, but as of right now, it's just the two of us that are signed up. As far as Americans, I'm happy to see Eric's going. Eric, uh, for most that are going to listen to this, are going to know this, but Eric Yost and Tracy Yost, the owners of Yost Archery Products who has stepped up as a sponsor of the Barebow Project, which is pretty awesome of them. They're great people. They're and definitely they're great phenomenal. They're ambassadors Some of the to... Some the business. Absolutely. And I'm glad to hear that he's going to Rome because he's got, he's got quite the growing clientele overseas too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's great to see entrepreneurs like that having... And they put their best foot forward for everyone. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what you need. For my kids that shoot barebow here, they are ridiculously generous. And they're just great people with a great product as well. They're, they're a bit of a, they're kind of like the poster child for what barebow really is though. I mean, barebow is definitely a unique community mm-hmm. compared to some of the other disciplines. I'm mm-hmm. not knocking compound or Olympic recurve. It's just a, a specific type of person migrates toward barebow, I think. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with that we're, well, in America we're, definitely not professionals um we all have other things that we have to do in life um so we're not we're not chasing the the few jobs that are offered so we don't have that um that side of competitiveness Uh, we're not seeking that weird edge right that's that some of them are and i'm not saying them they all aren't because there's a lot of them that are very very helpful that all you have to do is just ask and they'll tell you everything that you know everything that they know um but yeah, we don't. We're just, for the most part, we're just hobbyists. Really enthusiastic hobbyists. Some of us more than others, yeah. <laughs> Some of us are just more laid back and just act like they don't care, but they really do care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for the women's class. Yes, definitely. Very excited for the women's class. I had put a post up on the Facebook page at, at one point. There's. Um, like 33 women registered. It's got to be more than that. Now. Yeah, I think last time I looked, I think there's 35. See, as, like when we sign up for this class, um, there's a huge push usually within the first two weeks. Then it slows down, and then they start trickling back in. Um, I think the last I looked a couple of days ago, the women were at 35. Um, the men were over 100 now. Um, I, this, I expect to see you probably right around 225 to 250 overall, men and women be another great year another good year for growth because i think we we're at what 199 last year total yeah, yeah. and that's including 40 yep. some what's there 40 yeah like four i think there's like right around 40 women last year yeah 
we have this discussion every year, and I know it gets brought up, but what do you think the the the, the qualifying score is going to be? Ooh. So the men the men are going to be cut at 64 this year. Yeah. Oh, well, that changes things. Yeah, last year was 32. Now's your chance. Yeah. <laughs> your first match is going to suck, though. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, last year the cutoff was 512 because I had a 511. Yeah, 512. There's a there was a bone trader on that 507 to 512, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was so 512 at the round uh the 32 cut. I think the 32 is probably going to be 520. Yeah, probably pushing around 520. 515, 520, yeah. 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 So I who think knows? Show up and have a so great that tournament. means I could be in the middle of the pack if I don't choke. Could There's be. a lot of ifs there. There's a lot of ifs. Yeah, it's a big if. That's where mathematics is your friend, I guess. <laughs> Go from not making the cut to making middle of the pack cut. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I could just shoot the same and stay similar to the middle of the pack, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, five. so 520. So with that doubling the amount of uh, eliminations, it's going to open it up quite a bit. It'll be good. That's going to be good for... That's good for barebow archery, though, because you're getting a lot of people, a lot of really good, solid experience then, mm-hmm. regardless yeah, of who goes where. That's a great experience. That's really good experience, being able to shoot in the eliminations like that. Head-to-head, three end, uh, three, yeah, three ends in a row, head-to-head. Four. Oh, it Twelve is. Arrows. Yeah, I Twelve guess it arrows. is four. Yep. See, it's been so long since I've been in the well, since yeah. that one time <laughs> that I made it in the Olympic weekend. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's... it's uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back there someday, but you know, it's a big F. You can make it. I think the cut will probably be 480, maybe a little higher if people have good showings. Yeah. So it, it opens the door for a lot of people to get in there and get that experience. Yeah, and payouts. That you know they're paying out past 64 now. Not well, the cut's officially 64. So um, for what the first three that missed the cut get like a. A, a slight payback, um, and then they have uh, I forget what the numbers were after the that. Payout last year was sixteen, wasn't it? Was half. it sixteen? Yeah, I think it was half. Was it? I thought it was thirty-two, and you got your money back. But I'm not sure. Can't we'll have remember. to we'll have to do some research on that. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, I can look it up, but we can. Yes. Yeah, they're pay, they're paying out to thirty-two. They're paying, they're paying out, out to thirty-two. 32. So, so what is they're what paying, are they? They're paying out half the cut. Okay. Yep. You win one of your matches. They'll pay out. They pay. You'll get your money back from seventeen to thirty-two. So that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's going to be double the payout from last year because I think you were right. I think they were. They paid out the sixteen. I think where so. you had to win one match. Yep. Um, but they do offer that. Uh, that uh, cut payout flights. Um, so it kind of gives people an incentive to come out that aren't quite at the level of maybe making the cut. Um, to get a chance to get their money back and still have the uh, the experience, um, get some experience with the tournament nerves and and how to deal with you know shooting in tight quarters. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely nerve wracking as a as a newcomer to the sport to shoot to shoot in that format. That's why we. I mean, I don't know how much it helps or what the carryover is. I said about our Friday shoot ups here, mm-hmm. specifically with like the kids and stuff. That's that's why we do that here, so that they get used to shooting. And it's it's probably minimal pressure because we've been doing it so much, and it's in a comfortable atmosphere because they're in their home range. But you know, I don't know how, how do you train for that outside of the, the shoot up thing you do here on Friday is definitely a great format to get the kids exposed to that kind of uh, shooting pressure. It's not the same as doing it at a tournament, but it's it's definitely a good introduction to that. And it, Hopefully, it makes them a little bit more comfortable when they do experience it for the first time than if it, you know they had never done it before. Yeah, uh, that's that's really how the whole thing started. That's why we started the 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 Lancaster Archery Classic. Well, we called it the Classic Warm Up last year, the week before the Classic, and we did it here. You were busy, um, and, it, and I threw it together as in we're going to shoot a 300 round, and then we we that's when we we bracketed everybody. And then we all shot, but we only did one end just for time purposes. But John said it's probably more beneficial. I think you said like shoot three or five ends, four ends, whatever, to to you get more volume in. You know what I mean? And you get you get that that it's probably more fair. Instead of one person grabs a really good end, and then you're you're eliminated for 
you know what I mean? But we started that last year for that purpose. And then we ended up having to cancel it, I think because of snow and it got bumped back till after, ended up getting bumped back after the classic. But you know, it's, how do you, how do you duplicate that pressure? You know, I've shot a lot like on live feeds and some of the online tournament formats that are around and stuff. And I think that helps, you know, but even today, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, like when you, you guys come here to shoot in my house and I can honestly say shooting next to both of you, knowing your talent and where I want to be, it's, it's automatically shows that, that my mental game is weak because I want to shoot that way. But at the same time, I'm like, how am I going to keep up with these guys? I don't have to keep up with you. I have to keep up with me. I have to keep up with me. You know, and I, I wasn't really, actually wasn't planning on shooting today at all. So it just not, but I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that I didn't shoot as good as I did a week ago at Lancaster Archery Academy. You know what I mean? There are people out there that lose sleep over that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they get so bent out of shape over, the expectations they set for themselves are yeah. sometimes unrealistic for where they're currently at. Yeah, we. I, I don't know if we talked about it in our. We have like a, a group message, and I think I, you know, I said about sometimes I don't even want to post my good scores on social media. I do every once in a while, but I don't want to post my better because it, it's almost like it's self-inflicted pressure of sorts. You know, some people think that way. I, yeah. I don't. Um, I try not to care about the score. I mean, it's easier said than done. Right. But I, I try not to worry about the score. I try to focus on shooting good shots, and the score is what it is. One arrow at a time. I've definitely shot bad scores, so I'm not afraid to go do it again. It's always another tournament, so if you shoot a bad one, move on. Try to learn a little bit and go to the next. It's, it's, it is easier said than done. You know, it's funny because you say that, and I've said probably the same words to the kids that I coach. But me as a competitor, then I have to go back and duplicate. My, I have to take my own advice because I say it to kids all the time. I say it to my son all the time. You know, you, you shoot. You don't shoot sixty arrows. You shoot one arrow sixty times. Is what I always tell them. You know, and then bare bow. It's it's. There's just a lot more that has to go right in bare bow for you to get the positive result. But yeah, you ha you don't have all the other like um, cushions on that on that piece of equipment to make scores. Right. To hit that, you know, your glass ceiling for a compound is going to be higher than a recurve. Right. Which is going to be higher than a bare bow. And so we don't have those things that can help produce higher scores. So our swings are quite large at times where, you know, if you're a pretty good compound shooter and you're a good feed a compound shooter, you know, 570s, 580s is a decent score, you know, for, you know, an average, you know, uh, higher end you know the high ends are going to be you know obviously 590s but if the 590 shooter has a bad day they're going to be like 584 or something like that but you know we're not going to drop six points on a bad day we're going to possibly drop 26 right um and that's just something that we have to accept um it's going to happen and when it happens just you know shrug it off and move along to the next one it's just the nature of barebow and that, that can even, you know, if, and if you ever dip into the Longbow side, it gets even worse. <laughs> but it's it's just something that just, it just happens. Um, you have to accept it, that it's going to happen. We don't want it to happen, but it does. It, that drop in 26 points or 30 points or whatever it is, that's not what defines us as an archer. It's how you crawl out of that is what defines you as an archer. Yeah. How you, how you come back from a... You know, a bad end. You shoot a, a a nine nine one, and then crawl back from that, and shoot twenty sevens, twenty eights, twenty nines, a couple thirties, whatever. You know, and then you end up with a two seventy, or you could have smoked the entire thing, but mm. one bad arrow motivated you to stay on point. Then the rest of the the half or the, the round or whatever. Hey, if you're having a rough day, just try to grind it out. Don't focus on how how low your score is or how bad your score is. Try to put together good shots and forget about the score. And people get in their head when they're having a bad day, oh, I'm not gonna hit that score that I had in mind that I wanted to hit. But I think you're setting yourself up for failure when you do that. When you compare. When you compare or set expectations. Like I don't, I don't go into a shoot saying, I'm gonna shoot 560 or 570. I just, I go in knowing 
how to shoot my shot, and that's what I try to do. I just try to run the shot correctly each time. I think the worst thing, one of the worst things is shooting a 10 on a bad shot. I still get mad at myself if, if I shoot a bad shot, even if it you know, scores well. I think it's... That's a big statement. I mean, that, that exemplifies what your mental game is. That's just, that's some self discipline there, like mentally. That's self discipline to yeah. feel like I, that was a crappy shot. And you can see that from other people's reactions, like where they're at, because they look over to you and you're like you're kind of frustrated because you made a poor shot, but it still was a ten or a nine because you got you were fortunate enough that you made enough wrong things that it actually turned out right, but you're disappointed with that because you don't want that reward of a poor shot. And then other people look at you and they're like, well, it was a 10. You're like, yeah, but that's not how I want to get there. That's not how I should get there. Right. Um, you don't want to be rewarded with that. And that's where you can see the difference in some people where, you know, they don't care how they get there as long as they get there. And that's usually where they get a little bit more defeated down the road where they're not shooting the scores that they were hoping to. Um, and that's those are the people that usually get caught up um, being more unhappy with their scores than, than someone who's looking for the, the positive reward of a positive shot. I think, uh, excuse me, I think John Dillinger posted a, a score the other day, and he was like, I probably, I don't know, two high 270s or something, and I was like, yeah, and I take those 27s all day, and Grayson was like, commented on it, like, Frank that's not how you get better or something. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, shit. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> and shooting off of a feel, like trying to duplicate a feel every time of sorts. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, you're definitely going for a certain feel every time. You, know, you kind of run through your, your checklist of each step and hopefully it feels right and once you've gotten to the last step, if it feels right, let it go. A house divided against itself will not stand. We are united around the world. That's what you read when you go to blackeaglearrows.com. One of the supporters and sponsors of the Bearbow Project, they have a full line of traditional archery arrows as well as target archery arrows and some of the best shooters in the world representing Black Eagle Arrows. Head over to blackeaglearrows.com.